Hello, and welcome back to the Behind the Music Business podcast with me, Danny Champion. My independent music business podcast where I chat to a whole bunch of different people from all areas of the UK music industry and potentially beyond. This week's episode is with James Scarlett, uh, one of the founders of 2000 Trees Music Festival, one of the founders of Arc Tangent Music Festival and concert promoter. This is an interesting one because this is one of those chats where I've had to redo it. Um, the story is that James and the team at 2000 Trees very, very kindly asked me to do this podcast live at the festival this year, um, where I did it and I spoke to James in front of an audience uh, one morning and it was a great chat about setting up the festival, about putting everything together and about his life in music. And then when I came to edit it all together, the sound quality wasn't good enough. And so James very, very kindly gave me another hour or so of his time and we had another conversation about concert promoting, about setting up festivals, about the reasons why he loves music, why he had to move from being an accountant to doing something involving music and everything in between. I'm very appreciative to James for giving me a second chance at this chat. Um, I am hopefully going to salvage as much as I can of the original conversation and put it up separately. But for now, here is my do-over conversation with concert promoter and festival founder, James Scarlett. Festivals is like an inherently risky job. Mm -hmm. Like my my annual income, like 80, 90% of it is relates to two weekends a year. Although yeah, it yeah. takes 12 months mm -hmm. to do. It's really two weekends. How, so does that, how does that compute in your head? From someone who didn't come from the world of music industry and you kind of got into it yeah. thinking, I'm just going to set up a festival. That idea of 90%, 80, 90% of your annual income coming from the success of two weekends a yeah. year. I mean, yeah, it's weird. The thing is, because it doesn't feel to me... The, the rest of the world, it feels like it's two weekends a year, whereas mm -hmm. to me, it feels like it's my everyday thing. Yeah. Like this morning, I was booking bands, and it's right. September, um, and the festival was less than a month ago, mm -hmm. Arctangent was, and I'm already got 30 offers out there for bands. And cool. So it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like it's one weekend, actually. But in terms of the risk of it going wrong, it is one weekend. If there was a hurricane, well, I was, yeah, like, I mean, like if there were 60 mile an hour winds, which is possible, it's mm -hmm. very unlikely, but possible. Climate change, that. Yeah, then that would be the festival cancelled, and then I've only got two festivals, so it's hot, nearly half your annual income just. Well, yeah, I mean, you can put in an go. awful lot of work. Yeah. For it to be scuppered due to yeah unforeseen circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why I think it's important to have some other things going on. That if all goes wrong, you mm -hmm. can turn to those things. Yeah. And and lecturing was one of those things 
and I started off doing yeah. one lesson and ended up doing a full day and you know it was really good but I've done that for five or six years now and it feels like if I want to come back or want to teach somewhere else I could because yeah. it's on my CV so it feels like I've kind of fulfilled the like backup I've got a backup yeah, plan. yeah, yeah. Or rather, I mean, my- it's all it's all transient isn't it if you're in that world of I'm not suggesting that you are freelance but it's portfolio careers yeah. isn't it it's uh, right you've got the festivals on and they take up a huge amount of your time but you know you've managed bands in the past you've got this stuff in in the bank there's other things that you might want to get involved with there's yeah. other projects absolutely um you mentioned in the live uh chat that we had that there's potential for growing the festivals maybe i could think you, you said no to another festival but you never know what got, yeah. that might look like in the future so there's there's things that kind of will, will ebb and flow and yeah. come and go and i do yeah and definitely as a self-employed person i think you have to be like okay it, it's fine if it keeps changing but i've got to keep moving and, and never assume that i'm going to be able to run a rock music festival for 22 year olds for the rest of my life because <laughs> who knows i mean like I, will i be able to do that i don't know so you know we've just um i can't really talk about it loads but mm-hmm. last week I went for a meeting about a new festival okay and it's someone who wants us to run a festival for them okay so I wouldn't have our my name on it it's not the same and it and it's yeah. not a music festival really although it would have music um, it's and it's this person's got an idea and they're yeah. like can you put this into You've got the reality. Yeah. you've got the tools, yeah. you know the people that can help out with doing yeah. this, can you do this for me? So yeah, it's a bit more of a, it's an employer, employee A little bit, yeah, although I think we'd, we'd end up with some sort of profit share arrangement with them, I don't know, it's, it's okay. pretty early days, but two or three of us from 2000 Trees will be having those conversations, and it may happen, it may not, but again, it's like, it's just like, kind of just seeing where the world's takes you mm-hmm. and being like okay that's too good an opportunity maybe it is to to pass up we mm. should probably we should at least go for a few meetings about it yeah. um yeah and, and and see what happens and yeah i don't know where the future lies doing more and more promoting in bristol um what just in in the venues and yeah and yeah like so that, yeah. yeah um yeah with with a friend of mine so it's i i'm kind of i've got the band contacts and he's brilliant at all the other stuff that goes into promoting the show Okay. Um, so yeah, been doing more of that, and that's like again another bit of diversification of my income. How long have you been doing? Well, that for? on and off. I used to do it on my own in Cheltenham years ago, maybe ten years ago. Um, but now we've been going seriously at this for two years. We pro- I the gigs I've got my name on are probably it's probably about twenty five a year at the moment. Okay. Um, so it's not millions. But it's quite nice. We just announced, I don't know if you know Battles, um, mm-hmm. just announced Battles in the Exchange today, which is like a really small show for them. So that, that'd be amazing. Um, mm-hmm. But we're doing anything up to um, SWX, which is 1,100 caps. So we've got quite a few shows in SWX in the next okay. two months. So it's, yeah, that is a really neat sideline that fits 100% perfectly alongside yeah, yeah. the festivals. <laughs> Because your trajectory into that, into doing that now, has come from doing nothing to do with music and just being a fan, yeah. to then going 
fuck it, I'm going to start a festival, <laughs> to then that becoming your main source of income and the thing that you're doing full time, yeah. to then diversifying out from there and now, kind of, I guess, standard booking and promoting of show. Yeah. Did you ever think that that was going to be where it led, or was it just no, a, a little no. bit of, let's see how this goes? I mean, no, I mean, we, we knew, I think we probably said in the last chat, we knew nothing about events mm -hmm. or the music industry, didn't know anything about the music industry at all, other than that we really liked, I really like listening to music, and I really yeah. like going to festivals, and that is basically it, so we knew nothing, so um, it's really a weird feeling to be in a position now where you want to interview me for a music business podcast or like a, a music week interviewed me the other day and it's like really strange feeling like people talking to you like you're an expert with authority but whereas you just you I just are. Kind of, yeah yeah I guess so but <laughs> you've it's been just doing, like, I mean you've been doing what you're you've been you've been running a festival 2000 trees for 12 years and I think 12 years worth of experience whether that's come from standard taught experience yeah. or just bumbling your way through it and learning as you go yeah experience is experience and i think sure. it's quite for me personally for doing this it's actually getting that insight from someone who did bumble their way through it yeah. and kind of showing that failure is good because you learn from the mistakes you don't do them again yeah and that there's more to everything than kind of knowing how everything works out of a textbook yeah absolutely and I think most people in the music industry bumbled the way into it. Yeah. All the big music managers are like, you know, they all like had one band that broke or yeah. they or they, they worked up as the T boy or whatever yep. or the cleaner in the office. I think that's changing. Like, I think yeah. That's a big, there's there's probably, a big as in there's shift. probably more like graduate training schemes and stuff now. It's just I think the world of business yeah. has changed. It's that I, I say a lot that it's not it's no longer who you know, mm. not what you know. It's who you know and what you know. Sure. And I think that there there's still very much a, you've got to get out there, you've got to network, you've got to meet people, yeah. you've got to do the grunt work and yeah. things like that. But I think we're past in all senses of the world that people that are very very good at talking themselves out of a paper bag yeah. get. Hugely, hugely far sure. on just that skill yeah, alone. No. I think you get found out quite quickly. Now. Absolutely. And because of technologies and you know, there's multiple ways of succeeding yeah. now. But it's also harder to succeed because there's a lot more out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think you have to be a bit more savvy. Sure. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I just think, like, if you take like, I suppose my end of the music industry is promoting. Yeah. Um, if you take. Live Nation is the biggest promoters. The, the people they're taking on in their lower promoting roles are people that have just done a good job in Manchester or Bristol, mm -hmm. or and they and they've done something like I suppose what I'm doing actually. I this is not me pitching for a Live Nation job because it's basically the one, <laughs> I can't think of anything worse. Oh, but, don't um, worry, I'll snip that bit out. That's <laughs> fine. fine. There'll be loads of stuff you, that we, you we can snip. leave that in. That's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but. Yeah, it's just people that have done well on their small local level and have mm -hmm. built them up a little bit of a roster of bands in whatever town or city. Yeah. And then they get the they get the chance, but you get probably get about a year or two and you've got to make it. Pay yeah, and again I'll be inter again. I'll be interested to find out kind of what 
promoting in 2019 and beyond kind of looks like actually yeah but I was um so the podcast that I released yesterday is with an old university friend of mine Ryan Penty don't know whether oh, you've yeah. Been, yeah from Paris. I know Ryan yeah. yeah so um I like Ryan yeah yeah I went to you I went to he was two years below me at uni okay and we were chatting about his time at Paradigm and the fact that he is there because another friend of ours had an internship there he got employed and so Ryan went can I have your internship and he got it no and way. eight years later he's now got his own roster and he's booking Lewis Capaldi and stuff yeah. like that and it was just it was a really interesting chat about yeah. that side of things but you know, you don't know where things go no. until they're there and you just have to make yourself useful yeah. and you have to make yourself kind of indispensable to the company yeah. that once that internship where they're kind of getting you for free comes to an end they go we're actually worse off if if yeah. we get rid of that person let's keep them on yeah i mean in the like 14 years i've been doing this some of the the assist, assistants that are now big bookers mm -hmm. they were like yeah they were like nobody's they were basically just doing a pa's role or something i don't know and now well, booking, now booking at that level it's yeah it's a team effort, isn't it? Yeah. It's not just one person. No, no, absolutely. There's, a, there's the agent, there's the booker, there's the assistant, yeah. there's four or five people. Yeah. All well. And yeah, they all progress up, especially yeah. when you get into companies as big as Paradigm and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, someone like Anna Buers at Paradigm, she, yeah, she was assistant to someone at uh, UTA when I first started working with her. And now it's like, she got really, for me at 2003, she's got a great roster. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I really like Ryan, actually. He's, he's a good egg. He's a good guy. What does promoting entail look like? You said you, you put on about 25 shows a year yeah. in Bristol. So excluding the, the festival stuff, yeah. um, in 2019, what does a promoter have to, have to think about, have to push, have to do for their shows to succeed? I mean, I, I think there's probably two types of promoters. There's the ones that will take all the shows that they can get and they don't care what what it is and there's the promoters are a bit more specialist and me and miles at fg is the guy i work with um we've got an area of the music industry that we understand which is broadly the arc tangent audience mm -hmm. with a little bit of 2000 trees but it's broadly what goes on at arc tangent there are so it's more the much more niche more left field left field but having to, you, the thing is it's tempting to call it niche and it is niche but we've got um, sleep in SWX you know so they'll, they'll do a thousand tickets so we've got Sun we've already done Sun a few years ago in SWX did about 900 I think and, and they're coming back and probably do similar numbers And so it is niche but even in, in a city of Bristol size a thousand people is not Something to be sniffed at. It's not oh, like yeah. it's not Lewis Capaldi in there. No, no, no. But Billy I mean, I, I guess but, um, I always look at genre. Yeah. When it comes to niche, and you're kind of thinking, right, you've got the broader genre of just rock music that yeah. has God knows how many subgenres, and then you're kind of yeah. chipping away at that. Yes. And, but there's still yeah, yeah. there's still a market for those genres that not everybody likes no, or everybody even knows about. Yeah. But they're still, you know really really left of center stuff can still sell 
thousand, yeah. two thousand, even five thousand cap yeah. places. Yeah. So we're we're not. So we're not. Although we did do a Yumi at six show the other day, but we're not looking to do that kind of commercial right. stuff that much. We we know what we're good at because we understand it because mm-hmm. it is basically us. So the people we're selling to is us really, mm-hmm. slightly younger versions of us, but. So I think promoting for people us you wish you still were. That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. So I think promoting to us is is actually quite simple because you know the bands that people are going to want to okay. see. And if you can put those if you're putting the if you live in Bristol mm-hmm. and you're a Sleep fan, you're going to want to go and see Sleep. They've not played I don't think they've ever played in Bristol. Right. Um so it's really just a case of manipulating social media advertising so the people know that that show is happening. Once so people, it's very much just that focused <coughs> yeah, on social media and online. Yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's that complicated or that difficult once you've got once you've got the band. Right. The hard part about promoting is <coughs> balancing getting the new bands in, which you may you might make a loss on. Get you know booking enough of those shows so that when that band blows up, you're their promoter. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's the juggling act but in terms of actually these bands sell tickets usually we're pretty we're pretty bang on with what um what's going to work so and what's what's the specifics <coughs> of what you are tasked with doing what is a band expecting of you you mentioned sun you mentioned sleep what are they expecting of you and your role in well they want all they want really is you to sell the sell it out, pay them the, the money that you've agreed in advance, mm-hmm. and then provide them with the the hospitality and production that is suitable to their level of band <laughs> and, right. is in, and is in their rider. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and obviously those things vary wildly. Mm-hmm. Sun, the, the, the technical requirements of Sun are unbelievable. I don't know if you've if you know some, but never seen them live. No, they're, they're like a drone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two piece, no drums. They're a metal band, but no drums. Two piece drone. Um, when we when we last had them on, they um, we had to put St John's ambulance on on, which I've never had to do at any of my shows apart from festivals. And the reason being because people pass out at sun shows, people are sick at sun shows, and people get nosebleeds at sun shows. <laughs> so it's hard to imagine. But when you walk around the room, there's various people. Just leaning or lying on the floor, because the whole place is just vibrating. Right. And at the front, there was someone with a nosebleed. There were a few people were sick, and it's like, <laughs> it's like this music is like it's inside you. I've never, it's the only band I've ever seen that is anything like it. It's just like. Is that what they're trying to do? Yeah, yeah. They're trying to yeah. evoke those sorts of responses. Yeah, and we had and to. It's not like a happy accident on their no, part. It's a, no, right. And we gave every, also I've never done this before, we gave every single person in that audience a pair of earplugs because it is loud right. and that's their requirement. So, you know, yeah. Sun have got all these requirements and it's basically, most of them revolve around quality of sound system and volume. Okay. Um, and you and being then, able to put it at yeah. those sorts of volumes. Yeah, without... and some venues won't do it. Yeah, like yeah, you yeah. couldn't put them in an old church, it'll fall down. Um, <laughs> but, and it's just, yeah, it's an unbelievable thing. So, so are you are you just booking them in Bristol or are you actually doing the whole tours? No, so I think that's the logical next step for us if we want to is to start expanding in that way. Because with some of the bands in our niche, 
we're the obvious people to do maybe London, Bristol and Manchester or something. Because obviously that's the other thing that I'm, as someone that live music is not, it's the one area of the business that I've never ever operated in. Yeah. And so it's one area of the business that I'm always the most fascinated to kind of learn yeah. how it all fits together. And so for a band like that, that you're literally at the moment just booking their Bristol shows, have they got equivalents of you in every single city? Or is it you here and then one person that's doing um, everything it's, else? It's both of those. It, 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 it's different. Sometimes it, there are some tours that have happened recently. Sleep may even be one of them, where Live Nation are promoting the whole tour and we're just doing the Bristol show. So there'll be a... I, every How so often I see... How's that carved a, out? We, uh, have you done it? No, we haven't. Sort of. I think that's just the agent or... I don't know if it's Live Nation didn't want Bristol or the agent wanted us in Bristol. Don't, I don't know. In mm-hmm. fact, you don't even know who's promoting the other shows until suddenly you like open a copy of Metal Hammer and you see your tour poster in there and it's like a Live Nation poster. And I'm like, that's our show. <laughs> Okay. It's kind of weird. Um, so it's but, not even like you're you're corresponding with the promoters doing the other thing. You're literally no, just focusing just on your, your own, one area. Yeah, just your own show. Um, <clears throat> so most of the stuff we do that's below SWX, so let's say a Fleece type show or a Thekla, probably has got promoters, a different promoter in each city. Right. Now you can, you can imagine why a booking agent would want to only have one promoter because it's Less instead of having 10, 10 email. emails, yeah, yeah, it's one email. Um, so that is the killer of being a small promoter like us. You can take a band, let's say the band Arcane Roots, who've just put up, so mm-hmm. I can use them as a for instance. Yeah. I thought they were going to be massive, and we were their promoters. But what would have happened is, when they suddenly broke through, more than likely, at that point, Live Nation or Kilimanjaro or, I don't know, maybe DHP, someone goes, okay, we'll do the whole tour. Mm-hmm. And then, so what happens with independent promoters is you often lose bands. Okay. To people who can do the national tour, right? Which is really disappointing because you can. But that's when you have to make that decision of whether or not you're going to stay local, yeah. or whether you are going to push it and try and compete. Sure, in those areas. and it, it's clearly there's a lot of logistical challenges to suddenly putting on a show in Manchester. Mm-hmm. You don't really. We really know Bristol. We know the people in Bristol. We know what will sell. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're talking about a city that I've been to three times in my life. Uh-huh. and don't know anything really about the scene up there. Yeah. So it's quite a challenge. Okay. So I'm not sure. I think the next step for us is to do London shows. Right. Because we can fly a band in for Arctangent. Talking to a couple of really exciting bookings for Arctangent next year. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, you play Arctangent on the Thursday and we'll, do, we'll promote your London show on the Wednesday night. So it's like works for everyone because it works for Arctangent because we get them cheaper because they're going to play London. Right. And, and then you're we looking also... at doing them in what venues in London? What? Are there specific ones that you've got um, an eye on? No, well, no it, it, all, it, it all depends. depends. It depends on the band and what, what you would think between us and the agent they're going to be able to sell in London. So right. if it's a 900 cap venue, there's a few venues mm-hmm. that we would look at. Um, and you go from there. Okay. Um, One of the things that I wanted to talk a bit more in depth about that we didn't <coughs> at the live one was some of the intricacies of 
booking bands and yeah. there was one in particular at this year's 2000 trees that I wanted to focus on and that was Every Time I Die yeah one of my favourite bands amazing ever 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 my fiance didn't get it no <laughs> she's like what is this okay. it's awesome it's what it is <laughs> um, but they you flew them in yeah for a one off show I'm guessing they flew back the next day yeah I think so yeah um, they played their soft, their second album in its entirety, yeah. and upon subsequent like kind of reading interviews and watching some of the stuff that they did, it didn't come across like that was their decision or their choice. As in, was that something that you yeah I mean, broached with them? It's like we'd love to have you on to do this. What would, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I just was, wanted to get a little bit um, of a picture of what that looked like how that, there's all, how that I, came I suppose it started with there's always a list of bands that you've always wanted to book and never managed to get for, for one reason or another so I spoke to the agent I was like come on we've got to make it work and he's like well they're not they're not in Europe this summer no. so it's not going to happen I'm like well what if we made it happen he's like okay clearly the money at that point goes up a lot yeah, 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 um, yeah. I mean that's the easiest here. way of doing things you go yeah. like well let's pay them a premium let's yeah. fly them over let's make it worth their yeah. while so we did yeah, that yeah. and hit and between me and him, and I can't fully remember whose initial idea it was, he's like, okay, if they're going to do that, let's make it something special. Right. So let's do an album. And my idea actually was to do a fan vote on which album do you want them to play. Okay. But they didn't want to do that for, I suppose, so the for obvious reasons. the band didn't want to do that, or yeah, the agent didn't. The, uh, the band didn't okay. want to do that. Because I guess I understand that, that they don't want to be forced to play an album that they might not want to play. Mm -hmm. Or they may, I don't know. Um, it was then that... I, as far as I'm aware, it was then their choice to do okay. to do that album. It certainly wasn't mine. Because a few people that are Every Time I Die fans have actually questioned the choice of that album. And See, I, that, I, that's the album that got me into them. Okay. But they're obviously a band that has evolved quite considerably yeah. since that album. And I think that felt like it came across a little bit. Because mm. a, a few of the comments that seemed was like, oh yeah, we've never played this live. Or yeah. it's been God knows how long since we even had to... And maybe that was the that was the part of the the reason what behind it is these aren't songs that we play anymore. No, so let's play these songs. No, and like part of me, I'm not really sure about album sets if I'm honest. Part of me thinks as a fan you want to walk in and be surprised. And when the intro starts, you're like, yes, it's that song. Yeah. This is amazing. Rather than like, I know what's coming next. Um, so I'm not sure if I if I had my time again, I'd probably just let them do a set. Because I'm not sure how commercial an idea that is to get them to play an old album that actually probably a lot of Every Time I Die fans may not even know that album. Yeah, but again, I think, you know, my, my interest, what perked my interest was who's, was it their choice? Was it your choice? Was it part of the process? Was it like, yeah. we want them to come over here. I think it should be special. I think they should play this in its entirety. Because the anniversary sets, yeah. it's been X number of years since whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> seem to be you know they tour that mm. you know Metallica did definitely sells more tickets yeah so. that side of things but that one I wasn't sure I genuinely wasn't sure yeah. where that idea no so they chose from. the album okay. essentially they chose the album we came up with the idea I yeah actually on balance I don't think albums that's a good idea <laughs> when, you, when you mentioned Metallica, Metallica it immediately reminded of watching them play the Black Album and actually I really think it shows albums up when they're not, if it's not all killer, if there's some like deep cuts, you don't actually want to hear them. 
I think it depends on the the album. There's there's a few iconic ones. I mean, for me, the the it was. I will always remember the download that I saw Metallica play Master of Puppets yeah. in its entirety because yeah, yeah. I was three when that album came out, yeah. and I wouldn't have got to see those songs being no. played. And there's no filler on that album. That album is like a ten out of ten. So they, and there is, it's what eight songs, yeah. no filler, done. Whereas the Black <laughs> album, actually, it turns out. They played it in reverse order because it's front-loaded. Yeah. All the, all, the, all the songs everyone knows were at the beginning. So they played it backwards and it's like... Mm. But it's a 14, 15 track album yeah, as well, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, like not sure how I'm, I'm, not, I'm not 100% sure how many are on it. Would you, is but, that, was it the, the Every Time I Die thing at this year's 2003s, was that the first time you'd kind of done something like that? Or had you pushed for a band to, to play at yeah. a festival... No, there's been a few things. There's been a few over the years. Actually, um, Arc Tangent is named after an album by a band Earth called Earth Tone Nine. Yeah, so Earth Tone Nine played Arc Tangent at Year One. Arc Tangent, so mm-hmm. they did the full album, um, and yeah, and, such a good album. Yeah, it's a real good <laughs> album. Um, and yeah, there've been others, but I can't actually tell you what. Um, but it's something that you would do happily kind of bring somebody in you know it's not in in the process of you put piecing together the jigsaw that is a festival lineup absolutely it is always going to be part of him kind of going i wonder if this year i can i can tick that box that's been there since the very beginning and if it's the right thing to do then great Um, you always kind of is it easier to do this than it is to try and coax a band that are kind of in the system of touring to in support of a new release? Um, I think, no. I think an album set's always going to be harder to convince them because actually that involves quite a time commitment on their behalf because they've got to go and learn a load of songs they haven't played. <laughs> There's probably some songs they've never played. So yeah. they've got, and it's actually quite a thing to get a band to do yeah, that. Yeah. So I think it's much easier to just, they're on tour, they're churning out there, you know, I mean, everyone but, knows. But for instance, that. like every time I die, if they were on the, doing the festivals and they had been in Europe or they were about to go into Europe, do you think you would have bagged them for 2000, 2000 trees? Or do you think that because of the nature of why they were playing, the fact that it was their only show helped? Well, I, I think the agents, thought that that would probably help because it's an interesting idea it's like this is you're not just going to go over and do another show that you forget mm-hmm. and it's just like all the other shows you've done so let's because it's a one-off let's try and convince them to do something that is actually a one-off mm-hmm. and it's cool that that'll be it um but yeah if they're on tour there's no way in a million years they're suddenly going to drop an album set in the middle of the tour <laughs> it's just not not happening because but would you just get them do you reckon you would have coaxed them in just to do kind of the standard or you know what well, they were touring at the moment the, the big challenge with um the big challenge particularly with 2000 trees is that bands like every time i die have got two other festivals in the uk after them and that's yeah. download and slam dunk right so you won't see a band on download in 2000 trees in the same year we may have talked about that last time yeah. in that uh, exclusivities mm-hmm. so the reality is when every time I die I release their next album they prob- I would probably try and book them that year and they won't play at 2000 Trees because they'll be at Download right so that, that exclusivity and I'm guessing that really... one's quite hard to compete against because yeah, you're not. The... yeah I, if I was a band's manager I, like sometimes the agent says to me I'm really sorry but we're going to play Reading and Leeds this year and it's like it's fine 
Yeah. That's okay. I, I get it. I understand. Like, that's fine. Yeah. I'm not like... I understand our place in the world. There are some times when I think bands are bonkers to not play mainstay set at Arctangent where I guarantee there'll be 7,500 people packed in all the tenters compared to going and playing one of the tents at Reading and Leeds and having no one attentive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get the... I get the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a... Everybody's got different priorities. Mm. Everybody's got, you know, are trying to do certain things. Yeah. I think you mentioned in the, the last chat about the idea of... Well, there's a few other people that have said this, that sometimes you just want to have that name. You know, you want to have Glastonbury, you want to have Reading and Leeds yeah. on the poster because yeah. whether or not that puts more or less people in front of you, the name carries a bit of weight yeah, yeah, to it. it. Yeah, absolutely. You've had this year's 2000 Trees, you've had this year's Arctangents. Looking back on them, what was the good? What was the bad? What was the... Oh, blimey, I didn't think that was going to happen. How, how did they go this year against your expectations? Um, I think, well, from a business perspective, they're, they're very different, actually, very separate. So 2000 Trees, mm-hmm. from a business perspective, it was okay. It felt like, I think we sold 10% more than last year. We felt like we could have done better. Um, feel like having three headliners from the UK is not our ideal. Right. We'd rather have at least one from outside the UK because it does feel more special to the audience, I think. Okay. They see those... I'm not making a comment on any of the three bands that we yeah. had headlining, but it feels more special to have someone coming out. So I've got some really good ideas for next year. We'll see if they happen or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like that... Trees could have kicked on. But apart from that... It felt like it ran like clockwork and the weather was great and everyone had a lovely time. Yeah. So it was almost, you know when things aren't challenging, they're not always as fulfilling. Right. When it's hard, yeah. it's really fulfilling. Okay. So 2003 was really easy this year. Okay, it just so felt like, like, yeah, we, did, yeah. we, we ticked off. Boxes. Yeah, it and, was, I, and I it did was no 2000 work. trees by numbers, yeah, yeah. how all this works. Yeah, and I did absolutely no work during the festival. Okay. I wandered around having a lovely time. The only work I did was the hour of chatting to you, which nice. is not really work. Um, you know, and it was just easy. Yeah. So I don't, I didn't feel massively fulfilled by it. Arctangent, um, we had biblically bad weather on the one day. Um, it rained for about 12 hours straight, didn't stop. That was really challenging mm-hmm. and felt a lot more fulfilling when it was all over. But during um, it was a complete nightmare. It was hard, but then again, my role is, is a band driven a lot of it at Arctangent. Are you liaising so, a lot more, making sure that the bands are happy and are where they need to no, be? So or? no, not, it's the same team running the bands at both festivals, same arts liaison, same stage managers. So, but like my colleague, Simon, he was like in the car park towing cars out and pushing cars and towing out food traders and stuff. Right. Now I didn't have to do any of that. Yeah. So even when the weather was bad, I was just, still watching bands essentially okay. um, and it was really great I thought Arctangent was amazing this year like, what was the, what was the, the weather Pardon? what was the standout of Arctangent um, this year the headliner Saturday night last band Meshuggah yeah. um, just 
anyone, regardless of what music you're into, should see Meshuggah once because it is a real experience. Um, <laughs> they brought their full production that you would get at any festival, no matter how big, and it right. looked amazing. And we, I sort of stood next to our sound guy on the front of the house watching it, and we just had a little look at each other and was like, Phew. it's like hairs on the back of the neck. It's like, we, uh -huh. we did this, it's amazing. Um, it was absolutely rammed. When did I see Meshuggah? At London Astoria 2, maybe? Wow. Back in the day. Yeah, that was yeah, fairly amazing. relentless. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it is properly relentless. They, they were great, but our tangent, the, the, no, we nearly doubled in size this year. Okay. Which we didn't really see coming. Um, we were you, hoping Are you for, expecting that to continue? No, well, we're not going to, we're going to put the brakes on it this year. Okay. Because I feel like, uh, probably logistically, there are some things we want to make sure we get right. So there's a few, a few, not major issues, but minor issues with car parking and sort of wristbands and some other logistical stuff, boring festival stuff. Mm. But um, I think people had a great time, but I think there's some stuff we should iron out before we start growing. And actually also Arctangent, the nature of the brand we've designed is to be limited in size. Because mm -hmm. whereas at Trees, you could end up if you wanted to, with Queens of Stone Age, Faith No More, and the Deftones headlining, and have three times the number of people we've got there. Yeah. But our tangent doesn't really feel like that. There aren't the bands that work in our world aren't massive. So probably around there was about eight thousand people there this year. Around ten thousand feels like about the limit of where you can go with our tangent. Okay. So I think we'll probably just have the same size festival next year. That's the plan. In, in the world of festivals, I mean, in in all of business you kind of want to see evolution you want to see progression um, mm. when it's not size related you don't just want to get bigger and bigger and bigger and sell more mm. and more tickets what does that evolution what does that progression when you're putting on festivals look like you know, well, if you get to a certain size for Arc Tangent where do you go are you talking about the are you talking about the amount of money the festival's making? Or, or just, the, just anything. Because the, 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 the really simple way of looking at it is, well, how do we evolve this festival? We just continue to make it bigger. But yeah. sometimes, as you've pointed out, you don't want to do that. No. You actually go, no, this is the perfect size. So when it is where you want it to be, maybe yeah. looking at 2000 Trees as well, it's kind of of a size where yeah. you're quite happy with it. I know yeah. Andy mentioned that he was, you're quite happy with, with where it is the feel for it. Yeah. Where does the evolution come from? Is it, is it about doing something differently with the bands on? Is it about expanding the number of bands? Or does that come with having I mean, to expand the number of people? How, what do you have left to play with? I, well, I, th I think my, my theory of festivals is you, you should always try and change, right? Mm -hmm. What you don't want is someone to come to your festival seven years running and not be able to remember the difference between any of those years because they're in the same place yep. with exactly the same layout, the same stages, the same everything and nothing new. Mm -hmm. So the evolution from last year's Arctangent to this year's, like 18 to 2018, 2019, was an extra stage in which was in in a big tent that had a bar and our merch in. So it was a new thing for us, a completely different type of stage, okay. much more stripped down, a bit of acoustic, a bit of electronic music. Right. And you could you could have a beer right by the stage and the merch, which merch is a really big thing at Arctangent, yeah, yeah, yeah. you'd get some merch. Um, we also had, we changed up how we do the silent disco on one of the nights and we had some live bands doing it. And it, and it was really cool. It was like an extra thing mm -hmm. that people hadn't had before. 
2000 trees, you probably saw the forest area. So a few years ago, we were like, right, we need a new stage. That's quite a big thing to build a wooden stage in the woods, mm -hmm. clear it. I mean, it was properly overgrown. Um, so that sort of evolution, I think, really improves the customer experience and feels like they're getting more. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily help you bottom line profit because that's costing you money. Mm -hmm. Certainly not going to make you money in any in the in the first year. It might mean more people want to come back because yeah. they had a great time. Um, and ne like to answer your question specifically about next year's festivals, there'll be we will tweak the site plan at Arc Tangent so that it feels bigger, even mm -hmm. though it won't be, and people will have a bit more space. Yep. And the couple of the, the marquees will get bigger. So actually, it might feel like it's more empty. We might be there's potential to go from eight thousand to nine thousand mm -hmm. for people to think there's less people there. Okay. Because you, you can you can kind of fool the public a little bit, yeah, and we've yeah, done yeah. that at Two Thousand Trees massively. Two Thousand Trees has gone from like it's tripled in size mm -hmm. on the same site with these tweaks where people have never really moaned about there being more people there. Yeah, yeah. they just don't. I just don't think they've really noticed, or we've done it right. It's easy for me to sit here and say we've done it well. I'm sure there were people at Arc Tangent this year that were stood in the wristband queue, which was the longest we've ever had. Only one, for a couple of hours on Thursday, there was a long queue. Mm -hmm. And I was there. But once there's a queue, you've just got to get through the queue. I mean, there's no, there's no quick solution to a yeah, big yeah. queue at wristband. So queue. I'm guessing it's, um, it's little things like that then, isn't it? It's yeah. once you've got it to a point, it's, okay, let's make this more efficient. Let's make oh, the absolutely. experience yeah. much better. Let's yeah. drop queue time down. Yes, completely. Let's try and get people yeah. through the site. And, yeah. and that thing, that, those are the types of things that you can play with over the course and manage to evolve what the festival is, the, I guess the experience, rather yeah. than just make more money, sell more tickets. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And you've got to be careful because you can end up spending a lot of money on some of those things. Because the, the obvious solution to wristband queue is just staffing. That's mm -hmm. all it is. You've just got to get more people yeah. working. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it costs money. What's the current landscape like when it comes to festivals in the UK? Positive? Um, no, I don't think so. No. Okay. Um, I, I'm in a really positive place. Mm -hmm. I feel like there will be more people at my festivals next year than there were this year, if we want there to be. Yeah. Like, I feel like we're in a really positive place, particularly Arctangent, which is just like beyond my wildest dreams. But I think the, the industry in general had a tough year this year. Okay. Um, the, with with some exceptions, but because we're we're part of the AIF, which is the Association of Independent Festivals, mm -hmm. and also you periodically see press stories about festivals doing well, festivals not doing well, and yeah, I think it struggled. It struggled a bit this year. Uh, does anybody know? Well, why? the thing is, you know, you can you can guess the reason. Everyone blames Brexit for everything, so <laughs> it's like. And, and the problem, the problem with festivals is because there are so it's not a scientific experiment from one year to the next. Mm -hmm. There are so many moving things like your band budget, your ticket price, who your headliner was, Brexit, the economy in general, mm -hmm. whether people are taking more foreign holidays or less. Because the economy could be bad, so people 
don't take foreign holidays so festivals do well yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's like this massive guessing game of economics essentially and who knows I've got I think Arctangent did well last year because we booked the right lineup and people loved it mm-hmm. it like it, it did the the two perfect things that a festival lineup can do which is one it appealed to our current audience and two it appealed to some other people that wouldn't have liked the previous lineups mm-hmm. and then boom you're in yeah but yeah and last question on festivals specifically is that kind of what do you see in the future for festivals not specifically the kind of things that you're looking at implementing but you know technology's evolving everything's changing moving forwards where's the festival in that place it's a good question because I'm not very technologically advanced so I wouldn't say as but in, I mean, I, is it something that can be really, really separated from it all? It's it's the it's the last yeah, yeah, opportunity the, for you, for for you to stay analog, oh, mate, <laughs> or do you it. think it's all it. going to go hologram stages and stuff? Like yeah, that? And, and virtual reality. Everyone, no one goes to the festival. Like the old school part of me wants to say that there is no um, no replacement for being a the bar at a festival with your mates and mm-hmm. being like Metallica or I'm playing Master Puppets in half an hour let's have another pint and let's go and get a spot and watch it mm-hmm. and that feeling you, you're not going to replicate with technology and it doesn't need to be changed yeah. by technology but that's that might be a very old school view and I'm sure a lot of the it record could, labels well no but also on the flip side of that is that technology can provide an easier a more a, a better experience I mean you brought in contactless or cardless payments yeah so that's a technological sure. thing that's kind of made the kind of the standard experience of going to a festival yeah. probably much more fun because you're not faffing about with money all the time yeah and, just... there, and, and there's all sorts of add-ons to that which we haven't yet done in terms of having the the rfid wristbands mm-hmm. and what that can it, it can be something as simple as checking into a um stage as in you know you know or you could at the end of the weekend you can get a report that tells you how many people as the organizers watched each band yeah yeah, yeah. so lots or, more data and tracking yeah from i mean there's all sorts of, of stuff and there, there can be things that improve the public's experience and thing that improves your what could experience. you do with that sort of information i would i mean i'd love to know how many people watched each band i mean that would be amazing does that help you with booking? Yeah, 100%. Bands I mean, we ask, um, so today we've been doing some polls on Arctangents Facebook, mm-hmm. just asking people who they liked. And it, I wish I could talk to every person that came and be like, what? And literally know who was the favourite band of the festival, because I'll book them again next year. It's like, assuming yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not the headliners. But you know, there's always like a couple of like the underground bands that really surprised with how popular they are. What um, was the. What's the engagement like? You mentioned that you wish you could talk to every single person. Are you? Is it kind of twenty-five percent sort of region? Are you getting responses, feedback from a healthy amount via social media um, and polls like that? I mean, you get in the low hundreds of votes. Thinking at two thousand trees, probably. So you're only getting like say four hundred votes on the winning main stage band, and when you think that there's 
in theory maybe well, 8,000 people or five, five to 8,000 people watching that band. It's not, I, yeah, it's not yeah. ideal. And like, I don't, ultimately, I'm not trying to book loads of bands repeatedly. No, but, but technology and tracking yeah. software and things like I that mean, suddenly gives you information that is invaluable. Yeah, yeah. And you don't have to, yeah. you know, waste no. or bore the time of, of of fans or hope that they're going to engage with something no. extra when they're back to reality and yeah. stuff like that. You I can just it, go, it's all there. Yeah. I mean it doesn't show Drones you if, it doesn't show you people's level of enjoyment, it just shows you they're no. there. But um yeah, it'd be great. It'd be great to have and maybe and that obviously that involves loads of like sensors and stuff. And it all gets a bit big brothery. So I don't know. But yeah. I think the fa- that is definitely we took a bit of a risk. Two thousand trees app on a yeah yeah. yeah. Um, Check into the app at the beginning, and then suddenly it's just tracking your movements. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that does sound a bit big brothery, doesn't think, it? Yeah, and that's the problem. People don't really want no. that at festivals, because yeah. as you said, maybe it is the last escape. Mm-hmm. But I think the the festival industry has to look at the the record industry as a, a cautionary tale about just ignoring, like, I just, no, no one yeah. saw it coming, did are, they? Are you, is, is something for 2000 Trees coming up, is, are you in talks or would you like to be in talks with the idea of filming it at all? In what, I mean? You know, the, the whole kind of, obviously, Glastonbury, Download, Reading, yeah. They have relationships like with, like, with Sky Arts or BBC or things yeah, like that, but yeah. that added extra thing of right, we've got there's a few cameras here. Maybe yeah. even if it's on your own YouTube channel, that side of things, kind of playing around with. Yeah, it'd be really cool. I, don't, I honestly can't see at our level that there's any business reason to do it. I don't Does it get feel, too expensive. Yeah, for it's, it's like mega expensive. Right. Look, I've been watching the Reading coverage, um, and it's great. And what a brilliant. Um, probably free to Reading. Um, like <laughs> my license fee pays for Reading's free coverage, uh-huh. but and that's what great advertising for their festival. But I don't think at two thousand trees level enough people would watch it for it to be of any value. I'd love to see it myself, but you need to. It also needs to be done really pro mm-hmm. for it to look good. It's not as I'm sure you know. It's not as easy as the, the person on the street might think to actually. Yep get that coverage make it sound and look good perhaps it's getting better it's getting easier it's getting cheaper there are ways i think around doing things again if you're if you're looking at that side of things from a purely online content perspective yeah you know having multiple static cameras set up yeah gets you pretty decent multiple camera views yeah if you can add getting the the audio through the desk again i you know there, there's yeah. ways in which you can do that but it was something that i kind of as soon as we finished the last conversation i walked off i think at the end i kind of said what isn't here yet that you would like and i thought i wonder if there's a scope for having cameras and having there's this thing kind of as a marketing tool as yeah, a yeah. Promo i tool. mean it would be really cool um in fact i was watching something from hellfest this week and they have one of those cameras that like comes over the, it's like a big boom that comes out over the right. audience. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Gets such great footage yeah. of fans with those. Gets I was just drones. We need to, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that'd be cool.
Last question, yeah, and it's more kind of coming back to working with uh, established and emerging bands, I guess. Um, Promote, you're a huge music fan in, uh, in and of a certain area of the music industry. What bands? What is exciting you about you music coming out of the UK at the moment? What groups are doing some interesting stuff? Um, that we should be listening out for. Um, <clears throat> are there any shows that you've got in the bag already that you're in a position to say, yeah, this is coming up at in December or stuff like that? Um, I mean, there's like, lo- yeah, loads of stuff coming up. Um, I mean, in terms of bands, um, I think the best band in the UK are Black Peaks, right? They're not a new band. They're, no. on, the, they're on their second album. Album two. But I feel Enjoyable like listen. they last night released a new new song. And it was Annie Mac's hottest, I don't know what they call it, hottest record in the world or whatever in mm-hmm. Radio 1. Um, and that's a real big thing for them. Um, and I heard a rumour that she brought it forward, wanted to play it sooner because she loved it so much. Feels like I feel like that band could could go over the top mm-hmm. and like, and get a lot bigger. And they're amazing. Um, are, you, are you hearing a lot of positive things coming out of the bands that are... A few years behind a band like Black Peaks. Are you positive about the things that are coming out in the area of the music industry that you like? I mean, honestly, the un- the underground is tempting because people always are like, you know, rock's dead or whatever. You know, there's always some naysayer about it. And what they actually mean is it's not currently on Radio 1 or it's not currently selling millions. What they're saying is I, they don't know about it. Yeah, yeah. So the, the underground, I think, in, is always, there's always stuff. Mm-hmm. And it and it varies um, on in terms of what exactly where the genre is. You only got to look in Bristol alone, and there's like bands like Sir and Saint Pierre Snake Invasion. I mean, the Saint Pierre Snake Invasion's new album is brilliant. Um, Sir are great. No Violet are great. Um, I think there's an, uh, Black Futures just released a new album. Um, I don't know where they're from. Not Bristol. Um, it, <laughs> this is how ridiculous it is. Organising music festival last two years ago. Um, I, I don't think I told you this the other, the other time, but two mm-hmm. years ago, I was radioed saying there's a there's a, a band just as the Ku Klux Klan are about to go on the stage, <laughs> I th- and I thought someone was winding me up, so I was like, all right, okay, and then carried on chatting, and about forty five minutes later, I got radioed saying, hi James, we're just um, this is event control, we're just waiting for your okay on the band that addresses the Ku Klux Klan. And I was like, fuck, it's serious. So I actually, I think it's the only time I've ever sprinted during my festival. <laughs> I ran over and I got to the stage and they're not dressed as the Ku Klux Klan. Right. They're in Black Futures, if you look it up, they're in like, they've got outfits. Yeah, yeah. It is not the Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> yeah. But security wouldn't let them go on stage. Absolutely bonkers. Wow. I couldn't believe it. But when I got over there, I was like, oh guys, I'm really, really sorry. They were like 10 minutes late going on stage because I'm just sat there chatting away thinking, yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah. Cool. Um, I think that'll do it. Amazing. Yeah. Thanks for coming in and having a chat again. My pleasure. My pleasure. Massive thank you there to James, as I mentioned at the beginning, for 
finding time to fit me in again to have a second conversation. As also mentioned, I am going to try and salvage as much of the original conversation as possible uh, to put out as a separate podcast or a separate episode. That episode is going to be a little bit pieced together. It doesn't really have a beginning or an end due to the sound quality issues. But there's definitely some good stuff in there that I'm hoping to get out before Christmas. If you'd like to check out everything that James is up to uh, throughout the years, uh, you can find the festivals on Twitter, 2000 Trees or at 2000 Trees, the number 2000 and at ATG Festival on Twitter. Or you can go to Instagram, 2000 Trees underscore Festival, that's 2000 the number, or Arctangent Festival, at Arctangent Festival. Uh, 2000treesfestival.co.uk and arctangent.co.uk As always, I'd love to hear from you so please do get in touch with the pod at behindthebusinesspod at gmail.com or on Instagram at behindthebusinesspod or via Twitter at Danny Champion. As mentioned, I should have an episode a week up until Christmas Eve There might be the occasional week disappearing due to people's schedules and the like, but I'm desperately trying to make sure that I've got an episode for every week up until Christmas Eve, if you are listening to these as they go out. And I've already got a load of stuff planned for 2020 to A, keep me busy, and B, keep you interested. Um, Until next time, thank you very much for continuing to listen. Do tell others that you might think that would be interested in this. Thank you very much, and I'll speak to you again soon.